Welcome to the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast, a show designed for brand new sales reps working in the world of tech sales. I'm your host, Neil Buyan, and I'm going to be taking you on a journey on the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast. Did you know that you can watch this show live with the guests on YouTube? This show is available on YouTube at happyselling.io. Hello, podders and listeners out there. It's your host, Neil Buyan from the SDR Disco Core vo- podcast slash vidcast. And today I'm really excited to bring on a guest who is in the world of sales development, but also somebody that I'm currently working with, which I don't think I've ever had on this show. Um, so I'd love to introduce Helen Crowder. Helen, how are you doing today on this Friday? Um, yeah, I'm having a lovely Friday so far. I'm sat overlooking the canals of Amsterdam. I can't really complain. Yeah. <laughs> nice. It's been a couple of weeks since I've been to Old Dam, but a pleasure to have you on the show and thank you so much for giving your time. So Helen, for the listeners of our show and the watchers on our YouTube channel, could you please tell us who are you? Where are you based in the world? Where do you work and what do you do, Miss Crowder? So I've already gave away uh, a little bit of it. So my name is Helen. Um, I'm currently based in Amsterdam. I've been here for, oh, I have my three-year anniversary Ooh. a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so yeah, I've been in Amsterdam for three years, um, but originally from the UK, as you can probably tell from the accent. Um, but yeah, I pretty much moved over here maybe six months um, after graduating. So it was quite new and quite fresh. Um, in the world of work um, in general. So yeah, quite a scary step. But um, now I am currently at Happio um, and part of the SDR team. Nice. Uh, And a little bit of a shameless plug because yes, I am the SDR manager at Happio. What does Happio do, Miss Crowder? Uh, so Happio is a social intranet platform. Um, you might be aware of us from working with some really big names in the industry. Um, a little bit of a, a brag. We've got some really cool customers um, like Pinterest, which I know we can say now. So very excited about that. Um, yeah, we're a, a social collaboration um, and employee engagement platform. Well done on the pitch, Helen. And hopefully Pertru and Lydia If you're listening, I hope you're very happy with that because I am indeed. But Helen, outside of the world of like tech sales and, you know, the world of being an SDR, what do you get up to in your spare time and kind of what are your interests? Yeah, Um, so my interests are a bit contradictory. Um, I love eating out. Um, Probably the person that most of my friends, colleagues would go to for restaurant recommendations, um, but then also kind of like to to balance that out with a lot of like gym and fitness. Um, And as maybe like a little bit of a a side piece, being the uh, party planner here at Happio, (laughs) I pride myself (laughs) in that. We've got some uh, Friday drinks happening today, um, which I have booked, so... (laughs) <laughs> oh, and as you can hear, the Slack notifications going off because she's being hounded for party plans this evening. And yes, Helen has an honorary title as a CPP, Chief Party Planner, mm-hmm. uh, and you've done that job very well. So again, listeners and watchers, uh, make sure that if you're listening to this on your podcast platform, please like and subscribe and leave a comment. And equally, if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, please like, comment and subscribe. Because coming up right now, what I'd love to do in SDR Disco Core fashion is go over to your LinkedIn profile, Helen, to let the world know who you are on this lovely digital business card. So obviously, we can see uh, Helen's profile uh, where she's been working at Happio for a while. Uh, But if we scroll down a little bit, what we can also see is kind of like the journey that she has been on. So we can see that you studied at Liverpool John Moore University in Liverpool. Uh, You had worked in the world of recruitment, uh, like you said, going to Amsterdam. You've been a DevOps and software development consultant in the world of parallel consulting. Uh, And equally, you've you've donned a few different titles uh, whilst working at Happio for the past 11 months. And I've had the privilege of being nine months in those 11 months. But Helen, like in your own words, could you kind of take us back to like university, what you were doing up there and kind of like how you made that jump move into career and how did you end up at Happio? 
Yeah, so you can see, like, yeah, for, like you said from from my LinkedIn, couple of different roles and, and different industries. Um, straight out of university, I had no idea um, what I was going to do. There was so many people; they were going traveling, they were, you know, applying for grad schemes, and I was like so lost. I studied business management, which is obviously so kind of like generalist. Um, I did a little bit of ops, a little bit of finance, like. I wrote business plans. It was really, really cool, but uh, it wasn't specialized enough to know what I wanted to do straight after that. Um, And then one of my friends called me and she was like, oh, I I got this job at a recruitment company. Um, Maybe you want to also interview. And I was like, right, okay. And she asked me a couple of questions there and then. And I remember like being sat in Costa, like in the coffee (laughs) coffee place. And she was like, can I ask you some questions? I was like, okay, is this an interview? She was like, yeah, come down next week. And I was like, right, okay. Had no idea what recruitment was. And then to make it even more confusing, it was recruitment for other recruiters, Uh which was the strangest thing ever. Couldn't get my head around it. Um, But anyway, I graduated in the July. I pretty much started straight after that. Um, It actually turned out to be like really, really cool. I was recruiting for, yeah, recruiters who are also salespeople, right? Mm. So the conversations were fun. Everyone was just like pretty like similar to to me. Um, And then the company opened an office in Amsterdam and I was flying there once every month. I remember thinking I was so cool, like putting (laughs) pictures on like Instagram and Facebook, like flying out to Amsterdam, everyone was like, what do you do for a job? Mm. Everyone was so curious. Um, And then, yeah, I I kept flying out to Amsterdam, just fell in love with the city, really, really lucky that um, my past company, um, yeah, they they allowed me to move out here full time. So super grateful for that. Um, Trying to to recruit recruiters was really tough. Like they, mm. they do the same job. So it's really, really hard to uh yeah, to kind of convince them and things like that. So I had so much fun in that role. Um, but yeah, it was quite a tough market. Amsterdam is really small, everyone knows everyone. Yeah. Uh, so then yeah, I actually moved to to Parallel Consulting, which was an IT recruitment company, similar kind of setup, um, had a really big office in London and yeah, saw the market in Amsterdam really growing. So they moved a couple of people out here. I think I was like employee number four. Wow. Had a really, really steep learning curve. Mm. Um, like imagine being sat in this really small WeWork with just like me, four other guys, listening to every call I made, like could see all the emails, everything. Like it was super, super like, yeah, it, it was intense, but I learned so much and so fast. Um, and yeah, got to work with some really cool, uh, really cool companies. Um, a lot of like high growth software companies, uh, really cool tech companies here in Amsterdam. It is such a tech hub. Yeah. So that's why the industry was so interesting for me. Um, <laughs> but what I realized with recruitment was, I was I was pretty good at the business development side. I'd brought on quite a lot of clients from scratch, which we we never had before. Um, I didn't really have that much interest in filling the jobs, yeah. <laughs> like, because I I just didn't I didn't know as much about tech as I wanted to. I was never going to be a DevOps engineer. I was never going to really understand what they did. Um, but I loved the relationship building. I loved having my own clients. The full sales cycle. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I came across Happio, actually the only company that I applied for when I was looking around. Um, and yeah, it's a funny story. I actually reached out to the previous um, BDR manager, mm-hmm. I think in like October, but they had no roles available. And I was like trying to do just like my recruiter thing and just message people and be like, hey, you know, I know you might not have any roles, but can we keep in touch? And it worked out really well because as soon as there was a role available, I was like the first person they reached out to. Um, and yeah, it was like kind of fast tracked through the the thing. Sorry about my slide. I have no idea how to turn that off. So that's so annoying. But I apologize. Um, but yeah, then I, um, yeah, then I ended up um, at Happio and I've been here for it'll be a year next month. Nice. That is such a cool story. And I've learned more about you 
in those last <laughs> couple of seconds than I have in the last uh, nine months. So really thankful for you sharing. And there's definitely some things that I want to pick out there. Uh, but definitely yeah. with the Slack, if you click right click the uh, icon and click quit on your Mac, that will definitely help out, especially for listeners who are thinking, did I just get a Slack message? Am I at work or am I in bed or I'm in the gym? They're probably thinking that. But anywho, uh, going okay. back to that, you know, that younger version of yourself who came out of university and you're like, I don't really know what I want to do. Right. And I think a lot of our listeners and guests that have been on the show have been in exactly the same position. And it's a question that I do want to ask, because again, we may have recruiters, we may have tech companies listening to this. What kind of content or information do you think would be useful for those sort of people? And equally to kind of guide them maybe into a tech role like what you do now, what do you think would be useful for unis to do, Helen? Uh, do you say at university level? Yeah. So when you're at university, you know, you're, you're coming to the end of your studies about to graduate and there may be like job fairs, et cetera, like that. But what do you think would have been really useful for you back then? The thing that I wish was maybe pushed a little bit more, and, and this is super different depending on what country you, you live in. Um, I know here in the Netherlands, it's so common for people to do like years abroad or, you know, summer internships, like Happio have interns yeah. um, who are like incredible and they also like contribute so much. And that's really, really valuable for the work experience. Um, in the UK, like it's definitely available. I'm not, I'm not saying it's it's not. And if you're, yeah, if you want to do it, I'm sure you could. But it's definitely not pushed, or it wasn't when I was at university. Mm. Like, I think also as well, like you're just so desperate to earn some money that you've got like a part time job, but it's not really complementing your your studies at all. Um, so yeah, if maybe there was more like a, a push towards or like a, a bit more of an education around what roles would complement your studies. Mm. But yeah, it's, it's really hard when you do something so general as like business management, because I've got friends who are now in ops. I've got friends who are also in recruitment or sales or yeah, they've gone into even like finance. Like it, it's really, really hard. But I think, yeah, maybe if there was more of a push around like make sure you do some internships or make sure you do like a part-time job that complements um, your study. But yeah, I also think it, it's so hard to know at that age, like what you want to do. And yeah. often people, they don't, they fall into jobs. Um, I know people that came out of the same study I did, did something completely different and then ended up back in recruitment. Mm. And, you know, there's so many people that, yeah, it, it's not that obvious what the next step is. 100%. And I think, you know, with a lot of people like we uh, last year did like a, uh, an open recruitment day where we brought people in, yeah. where these people had probably worked in different industries, or they just come out of university and they graduated. And having these sort of career days open to show what does it look like to work in a company like ours, I think was really impactful yeah. for those sort of people. And I think like with myself, when I've gone into different jobs, and I've worked in different industries but it's always come through like a referral like a friend somebody's mum saying hey do you want to come work for the council somebody else saying hey do you want to work in hospitality and stuff like that and just being open to that thing but I think to your point we don't really know at that age what we want to do um, but having more opportunities to learn about what we could do I think would be better would have yeah. been beneficial as well but we all I think with sales we always accidentally fall into it and I think that was the same for myself right but Going to one thing. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Just going to say the one thing that honestly I wish someone had taught me a bit earlier was like the power of LinkedIn. Mm. Um, again, this, this is so different to like like where you live. I feel like there's a lot of people here in Amsterdam, like students who are really, um, what's the word? Like really, um, I don't know the word. They use LinkedIn a lot, yeah. basically. <laughs> um, they, they use it a lot. It's really updated. Um yeah, maybe just more like where I'm I'm from. Um, it was yeah, just LinkedIn wasn't the thing to do. Like it didn't mean not like anything. It was okay, have a CV on a Word doc, which yeah, anyone can write. They're all copy and pasted anyway <laughs> from from like a Google template or whatever you find online. But like I, I really, really wish I knew the power of LinkedIn when I was um, when I was at university or when I was searching for jobs. Like to me, the only way I knew before that was job boards or things like this. I didn't really understand like the power of LinkedIn and connecting with people. 
um, is like even some of my friends now, and maybe this is the, the recruiter in me, yeah. but my friends ask me, you know, can you do my LinkedIn? Like, how do I connect with people? How do I connect with recruiters? Or, you know, how, how can I make myself more visible? And that's the one thing which like you can't do on a piece of paper, like on a CV. And I wish that was made a bit more known to people when they are studying or, or trying to get like their first job mm-hmm. after university. I 100% agree with you. And I think like even going back in the days when I was writing and typing up my CVs and putting so much effort and energy into it um, and then coming to the realization probably half of these aren't even being read by the people that I'm sending them to, right? Um, And yeah, similarly, like when I, I think I've been on LinkedIn like 13 years now, but back then I had no idea what the hell it was. My boss just said, create a profile and that's it. And it's kind of like, and when I first logged in, I was like, this looks like Facebook. Um, and I just saw it as a business of Facebook, but what I always did at the end of every call, I just sent a connection request, not knowing what it did. But over those years, by constantly doing that, my network is my net worth. And that's, you know, helped me out in finding jobs in roles and stuff like that. So, yeah, do you know what? Maybe, and I, I assume like you've been a recruiter, like perhaps you'd more look at their LinkedIn to see what they're up to and what they're currently up to date versus a CV or what do you think? I I used to have clients that they didn't even care for a CV. They literally didn't care. Obviously, it's a bit different in like um, in sales roles or, or non-technical roles because, yeah, technical roles, you need to see certain keywords or years of experience, stuff like that. A lot of kind of sales, recruitment, those where the soft skills are way more important. Like people, they didn't even care. They didn't need to see to see a CV. Mm-hmm. And I think also quite reflective of like our social media use and you know, we, we like things to be more visual. I can instantly click on Happio on my LinkedIn. I can see the companies I worked before, how many people work there, you know, what kind of company is it? Where is it located? Way more interactive and visual than a piece of paper with just some black and white writing. And I think people are now so used to those social media style posts and feeds yeah. that, yeah, we are just naturally drawn to LinkedIn. Also, I think like, yeah, one thing I spotted, this is such a small thing, but like um, people in the UK don't have photos on their CV, <laughs> but here everyone has a photo. And I know that like shouldn't matter at all, but I think people want to put a face to a name. They want to know who they're speaking with. And that's why, like like you said, when you finish a, a sales call or whatever, you connect with somebody instantly on LinkedIn. They want to put a face to a name yeah. to know you're not so- or just some person sat behind so uh yeah uh, I think yeah it's super super powerful 100% so and I agree with you like putting a face to a name and that's you know like uh with Happio we did this whole video prospecting thing like adding face to emails because and voices etc and voice notes and all of that jazz but as with your expertise of being a recruiter and uh, looking at CVs and LinkedIn profiles, we've probably got a lot of guests or people listening to the show right now thinking, right, I want to go apply for a job, maybe in tech sales. Uh, what do you think is important on their CV and equally what's important on the LinkedIn if they're going to be doing either or? Yeah, um, I think I'd start off with like your your LinkedIn needs to be personal, not just about the company that you work for. Mm. So having, and this is also quite hard when you you work at a company, you don't want to brag about all your achievements. It's mostly done like with past roles, but yeah, have those kind of, yeah, like achievements that you're, you're really proud of. I know this is something me and you have spoke about as well. Yeah. Like not, not just, did you hit your target, did, but what other like like elements of of like the job have you done or what other things have you contributed to the company and your role outside of you know just hitting your target because it's almost expected right like yeah. I know not everyone does but like that that's in your job description that's what you're kind of tasked to do but what else have you achieved like what are you proud of was it like bringing on a really cool new logo like was it hosting an event helping with something external like those things that make you more of a person than just what is in the job description um so I think those things are really important um yeah like having like a summary that is just that is just about you Mm. like not saying oh I am like a team player or I'm really ambitious 
well, anyone can say that, mm. but like, how are you ambitious? What have you done? Like, yeah, is it a really great story that you've moved to another country? Have you like, just make it a bit more personable rather than just trying to tick off a few keywords and, and a few like boxed, like <laughs> checking exercises. Agreed with you. And I think like for somebody that's worked with you on like recruitment as well at Happio and being a hiring manager. So like for guests listening out, um, when as a hiring manager, when I look at somebody, I will I'll look at your CV, I'll skim through it very quickly, maybe five minutes at most, and then I'll go try to find your LinkedIn profile. And what I'm looking for is, to Helen's point, not just the things that I want to hear that you think everybody wants to hear, but I'm looking at you like, what have you done in other companies that could add some value to our company? So to Helen's point, have you done an event? So maybe this person could do webinars and speak to prospects, etc., or maybe they've helped with onboarding and create a new onboarding plan to help new SDRs come on board. That sort of stuff is valuable because I'm like, right, that's really going to be an asset to a company versus somebody just, you know, hitting their target as well. Um, and I know for a lot of um, SDRs out there or people that are thinking like, we may just get what our friends have put in or, you know, just copy something that somebody has told us to put up together. But another bit of feedback is send this out to other people, you know, recruiters, ask their feedback and input, ask the hiring managers, or if you go for an interview, ask them, is there anything I could improve upon my CV or my LinkedIn profile? I think that's really powerful as well. And something really cool that I saw last year, <clears throat> sorry, with a few candidates, they would send their CV and their LinkedIn profile, but they'd actually record a video of themselves and add the link into yeah. their profile or CV. I remember with our colleague, Alyssa, she actually recorded a video reel of who she was. And I was like, wow, okay, that really caught my attention. Uh, and because you want to ask yourself, how do you stand out of all these applicants? Because I think when we was doing Happio um, back in the last year, I went through like 850 candidates like going through and I was like, yeah. what's going to stand out? But those are some great tips on the recruitment and for the guests out there. So thank you for that, Helen. Another point that I wanted to come on to, which is really interesting, um, is the whole relocation to another country. So to give you an mm -hmm. example, I was catching up with my mate Max. Max, if you're listening to this, hi again. <clears throat> uh, but Max was a, a salesperson who's looking to move abroad and he wants to move to another country. And he's primarily working, looking at like going for interviews with companies that are in the UK uh, and trying to find if they have offices in those countries and if he can start yeah. as a UK role. And he's actually an ex recruiter as well. Uh, do mm -hmm. the job in London. And if he hits his targets, have the opportunity to then travel to the other country. And he said, yeah. a lot of the people he's speaking to, there aren't those plans or they don't have that initiative and they're just looking for UK-based people. And I just said to him, dude, why don't you contact the companies already in those countries, ask them if there's a way that they can help and support you in relocating to there. And he was like, yeah, I never thought of that. And I was like, yeah, that's why I'm here, mate. But my question to you is a lot of people may be very fearful of relocating, going to another city, you know, leaving home, family and friends and starting a life from fresh there. And it's daunting because yeah. it might not work out. But what was your journey like? What was you thinking like, you know, when you're posting out on LinkedIn, on Insta, uh, you're changing your life and you're doing this, people like, what the hell is she up to? But what advice would you give to somebody who's contemplating moving to another place? Um, for me, like, and this is maybe more like in reflection, I, I, I don't regret anything, like in terms of like where I am now, obviously that's how I'm here. But the, the one thing which I would definitely recommend if you're someone who is quite social and, you know, wants to meet new people, I would really consider joining a company that has quite a good, like, office base or also like a good amount of people on the ground in that location because when I moved over here there was only three people in the team one was a lot older than me one was like from Amsterdam so had a lot like more friends and family so they didn't really want to hang out with me on a Friday night and they also <laughs> didn't really want to be with me on a Saturday so like I yeah I didn't have a lot of friends immediately I was lucky my clients were other recruitment companies so I made a lot of friends really quickly but that wasn't my company I wasn't invited to their drinks I wasn't invited to their office so my first thing is like if you're someone who's quite social you want to have that culture which is massive in sales mm. I would consider joining a company which which has a good culture and has a good office base and you know people are like friendly and it doesn't mean you have to only have friends that are also colleagues, but definitely helps. And it's definitely a, a good, uh, a good basis. Um, 
yeah, the other thing maybe, yeah, like just do a lot of research about the place that you live. Like I'm super lucky to to live somewhere where the language barrier is pretty much non-existent. Mm. Um, this is really embarrassing to say, but I've been here three years and my Dutch is absolutely awful. <laughs> um, Amsterdam is such a international like city. All of my friends are mostly expats as well. Um, our office language here at Happio is English. In general, everyone speaks really, really good English. So I'm super lucky. But if you're going to a country that's not so much, definitely be prepared to, you know, to have to pick up a new language. Um, but yeah, those are my my main things. One thing, like I also did, was I set myself a bit of an unrealistic um, expectation when I moved here. Mm. I was like. Right, I'm going to move to Amsterdam and I'm not going to visit home oh. for the first six months. I was like, if I go home within the first six months, I'm going to really miss it and regret it. Mm. Sure, three months in, I had a bit of a panic. I freaked out a little bit. I was like, okay, what the hell? Like, I need to go back. Yeah. Um, and like, don't be so hard on yourself if you have days where you feel a bit lonely or, you know, you feel like maybe this wasn't the right decision. If it's not, like, go home. No one's going to make you feel bad about it you're not going to be a failure but then equally like yeah push push through and and also you know if you think it's the right decision to stay or then definitely do that as well um I'll never forget like this is one of my old clients actually being on the phone to him he was uh another English recruitment company who'd relocated a lot of people out to Amsterdam and I remember when I told him that I was going to move out he's like no you won't Mm. Like then in my head, I'm like one of those people that's like, oh, I'm definitely going now. (laughs) That's not the reason why you should move. Definitely not. But I am. I can be a bit stubborn. And I was like, okay, there's no way this is this is going to fail for me. Like it just can't. Mm. Um, And yeah, also, I'd never really planned to be here for so long. But trust me, the time goes so, so fast. And the first like maybe, yeah, six months to a year you're still finding your feet, you don't know as many people. And then it's really the second year when you start to have fun Mm. because you've got your friends, you know the city, you know like all the places. And yeah, I think definitely give it time, but also just don't be so hard on yourself. If it doesn't work out, it's fine. If you get homesick, it's also fine. Um, But maybe that's a bit easy for me saying when I'm only in a city which is an hour flight away so if you're maybe going to move to the other side of the world you've got some other considerations um but yeah just don't be so hard on yourself like it, it's going to be fine whatever whatever you decide to do thank you so much Helen <clears throat> and again Max if you're listening to the show mate those are some solid bits of advice to take into consideration I agree with you. say again <laughs> Come to Amsterdam. Amsterdam. I love Dam. Um, But no, you're right. Like um, doing a bit of research ahead of time to see what are the nuances of living in that city, taxes, apartments, you know, how you live, um, like shopping, et cetera, budgeting. These are all things to take into consideration. And, you know, like with offices, like having like a culture and a team there and maybe picking their brain or like if you've got mates already live in that city, reach out to them and ask them like, how's it going? Um, and yeah, I, I think it's equally important to learn about the cultures and how people do business and how people operate. Because again, when I first came yeah. out to Amsterdam, um, my Dutch friends and colleagues are much more direct than say my Brit friends. And I was like, "Whoa, okay, that's, that's different. <laughs> so like take time to learn about those cultures. And yeah, you're right. Like if you get homesick, like um, visit home and, you know, we have all these needs and wants, but we have to kind of go through that. And for somebody like yourself, who's had the opportunity most recently like to head back to the UK and then come back to Dam. Like what were your thoughts like coming back to the UK and like, you know, being there for a little bit? Um, it's really hard to to compare. Like I have a lot of friends that live in Amsterdam that are from London, for example. Mm. Um, but but for me, like where I'm from is quite a small like town. So it's it's so different. Like I can't ever imagine going back there. Um, a lot of my friends are like settled down, have kids, have bought houses and I'm here with loads of single people and <laughs> just like going out every weekend and, and living like city life, which, yeah, I, I never thought was was going to be me. Um, and when I go home, I'm like, oh, wow, this is actually really boring. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, like, don't get me wrong. Like I miss my friends and my family. I'm super lucky again that I'm not that far away. Yeah. Um, but yes, being here, I realize, yeah, how how lucky I am and how much more this suits me and my ambitions and you know what I want to do. But uh, yeah, I don't think going back <laughs> is an option for me, to be honest. Fair play. Thank you very much, Helen. So obviously, um, like coming on to like the SDR position and you're working at a great yeah. tech company, we are a little bit biased here. Um, <clears throat> but like, I think when I met you uh, 11 months ago, I was like, wow, okay, this person is super energized. They're ambitious. They're driven. They're like number driven as well. And they've had a life of recruitment. I have had high hopes mm. for you and these have come into fruition in the last few months. Um, but obviously, like working in a startup that's growing and things constantly changing with Neil asking for people to make more dials and, you know, having it a different way because, like, for context for the audience, yeah. um, with the Happio team, they had a manager and then they didn't have a manager for a little bit. And then I came in um, to say kind of this is how we should run. And obviously, we ran into a lot of roadblocks, um, bottlenecks and working together and stuff like that. But what was it like going through a company that's growing so fast, things changing, looking at your own role and like tying in your ambition to that? What has that been like for you, Helen? Yeah, I think it was, yeah, it was definitely a little bit chaotic at, at first. Like you said, when I when I first started, we had another manager, then we were left without. And then you came in and yeah, of course, like everyone has different ways of working, different ways of doing things you probably saw like at first there was a bit of like resistance to change. We were like, okay. <laughs> and I'm someone who's really vocal as well. So I can imagine like, yeah, you probably got sick of me, uh, <laughs> sick of me asking questions or, or challenging things. But the way I like, the way I like to look at it is, especially in a startup, you don't have a lot of processes that are completely set in place. There's not, you know, one exact like method or, or way of doing things. And I think, yeah, it, it's fine to to be able to challenge people and to, to be able to question things. And that also comes with, you know, you have to also be able to take criticism and like, you know, don't take it personally if Neil's like, Helen, no, that's actually not what we're going to do here. Or like, you know, like I don't, <laughs> I'm the manager. I don't want to do it like that. Yeah. But I think, yeah, being able to take criticism and, and feedback is super, super important. But on the flip side, yeah, don't be scared to to question things or, or have an input. And that was one of like the main reasons that I wanted to join Happio. I was like, yeah, I, I'm going to be in probably one of the most junior roles in the, the company. Like, let's not <laughs> like lie about it. Mm. Like, you know, that that's where I'm coming in at Happio. But throughout even like the interview process, I was so impressed with how much everybody's opinion was valued, no matter whether you're an intern, whether you're in the marketing, the sales, yeah. the management team, like everyone's opinion is really valued here. And I think that's so important. But then you have to not be afraid to voice it. Um, and some people are a little bit more vocal than than others. And, and there's definitely different ways of doing that. But yeah, like if you want to have an impact, then then yeah, a startup, a scale up is really the place to to actually be able to do that for sure. Thank you so much for sharing. That's a very dangerous question. Like, how is it working with Neil? <laughs> um, but no, I'm pleasantly surprised. And you know, to your point, like what stood out to me, Helen, is you didn't do anything without like asking a question, which is your the curiosity yeah. side to it as well. Um, and yeah. like you know, challenging things. There's nothing wrong with it because I think as a manager. I like to be challenged, you know, I like to be asked questions because it makes me reflect on, is this the right thing for the team? Um, and, you know, when times are tough as well and we're trying out new stuff, we're doing it together. And I'll always, you know, we always ask each other feedback and input, how can we make this better, etc. And I've leaned on you a hell of a lot in the last few months, like with new highs and everything. And so I'm super grateful, but equally proud to see how much you've grown in the last nine months um, yeah. and, you know, coming into your own as well. And that's kind of a question I'd like to ask because, like, you know, you're saying coming into, like, this junior role and entry role within to a company, not just to sales, where you had that experience of doing, like, end-to-end sales, like, within recruitment yeah. and then having this mindset shift of, you know, we're not doing the full sales cycle. How did you handle mm. that? Because I think there's going to be a lot of people that have done that then are going to come into this role. What advice would you give to them? Yeah. So that that was obviously like, 
yeah, being really transparent, that was probably my first, you know, concern. Um, I knew I had to to take that step um, to to switch careers and and to switch into to SaaS sales. I think it was definitely the right choice as well. Like if I would have walked into Happio like as a as a full account executive, full like you know sales cycle. I don't think I would have allowed myself the time to like understand the product and, you know, our platform and and all of the, yeah, like I think that outbounding is that such a valuable, um, yeah, it's a valuable tool to have. And, you know, you still need to be able to do that when you move into an account executive role. Yeah. So yeah, it was a little bit tough for me at first to, to give up. Um, and I know you've seen that. I've been also, again, very, very open about that. But I think, you know, once you move into that A role, like you're pretty much going to be in it for the rest of your life. Mm. Like, of course, there's team lead, there's manager roles, like, but for the main part of your career, if that's what you want to do, you're going to be not stuck at that level, but you're going to be at that level anyway. So yeah, now on reflection, I'm like, okay, like, do I really need to rush it Mm. or or be as maybe impatient as I was? Um, yeah, it's going to be tough handing over meetings, handing over, you know, like, yeah, companies that you've spent so long trying to prospect and build a relationship with. Um, but yeah, equally you, you can still have an impact. Like I'm super close to, to our AEs. Like we, we work really closely together. I'm very lucky that we have such good relationships here, like with the SR and the sales team, but like you can still be involved. So I like I remember there was there was one um, deal that we were working on, um, and I just said to the AE like, "Can I join the demo?" And he was like, "Yeah, of course." But then I was like, "Can I join the pricing call? Mm. Can I join the implementation kickoff? Like, can I can I join all of these just to purely to learn? Like, yeah, it takes up a lot of your time, but I sat through the whole sales cycle, and yeah, it's not it's not my job, but I'm going to have to do it at some point. Mm. So. Yeah, you you can still be involved, but you just have to to take that initiative. Hundred percent agree, and it's something we've discussed on the show because there's a lot of people that come into this SDR function. They want to go into that next role. They want to get that promotion, um, and they want to do it as quick as possible. And there's nothing wrong with ambition and tenacity. Like you've got it, yeah. you've had it. I've been there, and I wanted to do it. Um, and the advice that we've given guests on the show is before you get that promotion or, you know, before you go into that role, there is so much you can learn and do before it's like, offered to you. Right. And the fact that you said that you want to join a demo, you want to join a pricing call if you want to see a closing call, because to your point, like you need to experience these things because you're going to do it one day. And I think yeah. sometimes a lot of us and I was guilty of this was right. I know the platform. I know how the demo works. I've joined lots of calls. In my A's. I can do this. And then when I was given the role, yeah. uh, I remember my like uh, when I was when I became an AE, I closed two deals in my first month, but then I closed nothing for six months, right? And I was like, mm-hmm. "Well, yeah, I've got the job title, but it doesn't feel like I've got the job." Like, what the hell? There was so much that I yeah. still had to learn, and you know, objections, deals falling out, all of this sort of stuff. Um, so you've given some really good examples, but is there anything that you would say to a newbie that's you know just started out now? and they may be hoping in the next six to 12 months they get that promotion, what things should they be doing before they're asked if they want the job? So I think, first of all, like make sure that you are actually hitting your numbers and your targets. Like It's going to be really difficult for you to to kind of present yourself as like the, the, good, like the, the best candidate for that role, especially if you're coming up against other people in the team that also want you know, the, the new AE role, um, you need to have something to back it up and show why, you know, you are like, yeah, able to to do this job. And I think, yeah, having your, your like targets all met, then that's definitely the first step. But yeah, as we, we spoke about in the beginning, it's not all about numbers. So is there anything else you can do outside of your, your normal job description to, yeah, to like to improve, yeah. <laughs> you know, your skill set is it sitting on these calls is it working really closely with AEs is it spending a bit more time you know like practicing demos and stuff so then when you get to that kind of like interview or or whatever it is to to take that next step you're fully prepared um and again something which yeah you shared with me Neil is 
like write down your achievements, like keep them noted. I'm really lucky you sent me all of mine. <laughs> 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 I just wasted them. Um, but yeah, like have them written down. Like what have you brought to the company that is, yeah, is outside of just your targets? Yeah. And, and thank you for sharing that because a question, and this doesn't like focus on individuals in any way, but I always used to ask myself yeah. the question of what is my worth to the company? And when I have one-to-ones with SEOs and when I met all of you a, a year ago, I said, what do you know, what's your worth or your value? And that may seem like a very sensitive question, but when I come back with, this is what you've achieved, this is how much pipeline you've brought in, this is how many logos you've helped the company attain, that's where you know your yeah. value. And taking that with you to that discussion of promotion, to your point, it backs it up. So it's not just the accolades of hitting your target, but it's what have you helped this company do? And I think when I was an SDR, I could easily book meetings. I, that wasn't difficult for me or do cold calls. What yeah. I was more interested in was, hey, AE, has this gone through? What is the next step? Are we looking for a close? Yeah. And then when it closed, yeah, I was happy I got some money out of it, but I was more happy that I helped this company grow and I'm a part of this journey, especially in a startup where we're trying to get out all this information. Um, but equally, like with yourself, something that we do very differently at Happio, um, because I used to come from the world of you you become an inbound rep, you, you do your job yeah. well, you hit your numbers, and then you're promoted to outbound. Whereas at Happio, we do it the other way around, where you come in as an outbound rep, and then you're given the privilege of lovely MQLs and leads uh, to process, mm-hmm. which is different yeah. for a lot of our listeners. But what's that experience been like for you, Helen? Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> the volume. Um, so yeah, it, it is different here at Happio, but just to, to maybe give some context, um, previously there was only one inbound SDR. Um, we, we do have two now. Um, so we have one, uh, one guy, Justin in the U S and then myself doing basically rest of world. Mm. Um, there's a lot of volume. So although, yeah, I'm maybe not doing as much to to book the meetings or get the meetings in I'm having such a high volume of meetings that the learning curve is really steep like the amount of questions that I'm being asked you know the amount of meetings that I'm joining with different personas and you know different companies and different business models I'm obviously just learning a lot more and, and absorbing a lot more information so that's been really good um also with the inbound you have a lot more um conversations like initial conversations on the phone with companies who are already in a buying cycle so you can have some tough calls before even a disco like they're pushing you on pricing they're pushing you on questions before they even want to jump into a call Mm. um and I'm trying to like yeah I'm almost like having to to have the the call like the disco call there and and push the value um before they've even jumped into a disco Mm. and I hate doing that like I don't want to talk about pricing and stuff before you've even seen the platform because it means nothing but you're getting those tougher questions with inbound whereas you wouldn't have them so much with outbound because these people might never have even heard of Happio so they're not going to ask you price on the first call um so yeah, just a lot higher volume, a lot more difficult questions and just, yeah, absorbing a lot more information. All right. I love that. And uh, to give some credit to Helen, something that uh, as a manager working with her that I really love is we have our inbound and outbound SDRs as one unit. They do report into different departments, but they work together and share info. And something beautiful Helen did the other week is she's seen like a high volume of leads come in. And she gave insights to the outbound SDRs to say, these are the mark, uh, personas that we're seeing more of. These are the type of questions that we're having. So as a tip to, to listeners and watchers or leaders out there, have your inbound SDRs and outbound SDRs give insights to each other as to what they're facing and what they're seeing, because that stuff is powerful. Um, and a, a, maybe a very dangerous question to ask is, mm. You know, like you said, that our happier way is outbound than to inbound. If you did it the other way, do you think that would have been beneficial or do you think this is kind of like a better way to work? I think it's definitely relative to the size of the business. It works for Happio. Would it work for some other companies? I'm not so sure, um, but it definitely works here. And I think, yeah, you would, yeah, if you had this structure and you started in inbound, you could probably get quite like overwhelmed with the amount of calls and questions that you're having. Mm. Um, and one thing which is really interesting for me to see as well, just because I get a lead that comes inbound doesn't mean it's going to convert. So I can use my like my initiative and be like, 
okay, well, I could just email somebody else mm. in this company or call somebody else in this company. And like, yeah, I'm technically now outbounding, mm. but it's not that much work. I'm just making reference to someone who come inbound. Whereas if you'd never done any outbounding before that, you probably wouldn't even think you would just be like, okay, the leads come to me. I'm just going to chase that lead and and that contact only. So uh, yeah, I think it's it's probably better to, to do it the way we have. Yeah, for sure. And, and agreed because I think when I joined, this was really alien to me. I was like, I've never done this before. And even like when I've caught up with AEs, um, some of our US colleagues are like, you know, have you noticed that we kind of do it different to like how you may have worked? And I was like, yeah. But I was like, it works. And I was just like, yeah, it is definitely. And you kind of touched on that element of like being a hybrid where you're doing an element of mm-hmm. inbound and if it doesn't convert, you can go find the other person. And that's kind of what I used to do when I first started out SDRing. I was a hybrid because I was the only SD on the whole of Europe for for that company at that point in time. Um, but no, there's been so much insight uh, and information. I've got, I'd, I've been pausing myself to ask this question and this is a very dangerous question, but I think because a lot of people see me talking to reps that I don't manage or I don't work with, maybe yeah. the listeners might be interested. Like what is it like to work with Neil as a manager? Cause they only see me as a coach on this show. <laughs> um, genuinely couldn't ask for any more like support um than than you give us at the moment even being you know remote which I can imagine is a challenge for you like the whole SDR team pretty much now sits in in Amsterdam and and I know you don't have access to us on a daily basis and and in person but yeah genuinely couldn't ask for for any more support um than you've given us so far and I think you know making the effort to come and see us in Amsterdam and you know being like able to even just have the social element as well has been super nice um but yeah another thing is that I feel like you do always have my back like I said I can can be quite a a handful and I know that um but yeah like when I've come to you with problems or anything like that then you've you've always had my back and yeah like represented me in the the best way that you could which is yeah it's, that's super important for me oh thank you so much Helen you're gonna bring a tear to my eye um <laughs> but no like, like I've, I've said this to a lot of my friends and to my other clients as well that I've learned a hell of a lot in Happio um and I've been mm. super grateful to have such a cool team including yourself and it's a privilege for me because yeah this again for anybody that's listening like remote management it's not as easy as I thought it was going to be because when I speak in tech, it's like, yeah, I do online training. I can do this thing. And Helen taught me a very good lesson because I remember when we first came out to Amsterdam, I always asked the question of how can I be a better manager? And you said to me bluntly, and I'm very grateful that you did, that Neil, you talk about this thing of being a remote team. You have to remember that we're not a remote team. You're a remote manager. And I was like, damn, yeah. the girl's right. And I was like, I didn't even think of that. Um, but making the effort to to connect with the team, to go out with them as well and get to know them, I'm really, I hope to think that I know you guys to an extent on a personal level as well. And yeah, uh, yeah we've had some fun nights out with this team and they know, and Helen, you know how to plan a party 100%. And uh, yeah, I know the team gets scared when I come out and say it's tequila time because... Those are fun times. I'm terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But Helen, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure to have you on the show. Um, and, you know, the question that I love to ask guests. So if we imagine for a moment there's this young Helen who's just come out of university and she's standing like on those steps and thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do. What three bits of advice would you give to that Helen? Um. I'd say that like there's three kind of yeah like maybe keywords or, or ways I could describe this. I think being curious would be the first one, uh, but genuinely curious, not just like you know this fake. Oh, I'm interested in this. Like, yeah, do something that you genuinely enjoy and you have like a, a genuine curiosity about because that shows through mm-hmm. when you're speaking to people. Um, then yeah, be consistent. I think. Yeah, like having great months is fine, you know, having, yeah, some like really great ideas one month, but then, you know, you never present anything for, <laughs> for six months or a year. Like be be consistent with with your work and, and who you are. Um, and then I guess like, yeah, persistence as well. Like if you want something, go for it. Like that's what, what I've learned. And if you're not, 
you know, vocal or you don't show what you want, then you can miss out. And it shouldn't always be like that, but unfortunately it is. Um, so yeah, those would be my three things. And uh, finally, learn how to turn your Slack notifications <laughs> off. <laughs> Apparently not. So uh, yeah, learn how to use Slack. <laughs> I love it. So curiosity, um, persistence, uh, and being consistent as well. I think those are some solid bits of advice and also with the Slack as well. But that's probably a sign for things to come to an end very soon. But before we go, Helen, uh, are there any shout outs you'd like to give? Oh, this is a tough one. <laughs> Um, oh, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I guess like just, just in general, like I have to, to be super, super thankful for, for everyone at Happio, um, and not just like management, but also everybody in the team. Um, I think it's a company where everybody works really like well together and complements like each other really well. Um, I can see in the office now we've got a couple of people from sales, some people from marketing. Um, yeah, like everyone is just, yeah, they're just great. Like I can't, can't imagine working anywhere else, to be honest. Um, and everyone's so supportive. So, yeah, I guess like a, a big shout out to, to the Happio team. Absolute shout out to the hapsters. We are biased, but we love you. <laughs> well, Helen Crowder, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. We're going to put uh, Helen's LinkedIn link in the show notes if you want to connect with her. And if you've got any questions off the back of this show, please do get in touch. And a reminder for our listeners, if you're listening to this on your podcast platform, please comment, like, and subscribe. And equally, if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, like, comment and subscribe and if you want to be on the show email podcast at happyselling.io and we'd love to learn more about you and get you on but helen i hope you have a great weekend and a great party uh, later on this evening and most importantly helen happy selling thanks, thanks for having me <laughs> thank you so much for listening to our show today if you work in tech sales and have a career or story that you'd love to share, then please email us at podcast at happyselling.io and we'll be in contact to book in a show. Thank you for listening to the SDR Disco Call podcast today. We would like to get this message out to more and more sales development reps, so please like, comment, and share in your local podcast provider. If you don't want to miss a show, you can always send a blank email to SDR Disco Call, one word, at bcast, which is B-C-A-S-T dot email, and you'll be added to our mailing list. We're also on the lookout for new guests, so if you work in the world of sales development as an SDR, BDR, MDR, or ADR, and feel that you have an important message or story to share, feel free to email us at podcast at happyselling.io, and we'd love to have you on board.